0: The CFB Winning Edge podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. For as little as $5 per month, you can help keep the show ad free while also helping to fund our annual updates to our 2021 FBS team profiles. On that note, our Tier 2 Patreon supporters receive access to our daily updated depth charts, including transfer and injury news, other personnel moves, as well as individual player ratings, coach and team performance history, in depth returning production numbers power rankings and point spread projections and much more for all 130 FBS teams visit patreon.com/cfbwinningedge for more details
1: Welcome back, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. And Nick, how's your weekend, man? We're uh, we're inching ever closer to the college football season beginning.
0: Yeah, we are. I've, I've been trying to uh, get... Final projects, every time we get together, I always say, oh, I've got three or four different things going on. <laughs> but trying to get, you know, finalized on on the last couple of things and have been looking a little bit closer at the calendar specifically. And, and after today, we have 10 weeks until week zero games kick off. And, I, you know, feel like I say this all the time, but it both feels... You know, so far away, still double-digit weeks, but it also feels, you know, like it's it's really getting kind of close. And and uh, we're recording in on uh, Thursday, and and uh, Phil Steele, you know, has been tweeting all day about how his magazines are at the printers and and going out. And for a lot of people, that's a you know a real sign that that college football season is here. So it's uh it's it's getting close, and so. Uh, got got a couple things I need to finish up in the next month or so before I move and and then there really will be uh, preseason time and and basically go time.
1: Yeah, Xavier, I mean, uh, how do you feel right now? Is it uh, farther away or closer? like do, do you which one do you feel more that it's far away or that that it's getting close? I mean, I
2: feel like it's almost right there upon us. you know we 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 don't have that much longer until we're really talking about, until we get into fall practice, you know, right now we're doing it's player led practices for most universities, but that means, you know, we're right on the horizon. Before we start talking about fall practices, before we start getting, you know, full, legitimate rosters, you know, before teams start having to make the decision on who's gonna be their starting quarterback for this year. Uh, you know, this, this is this is we're we're starting to get to that point where, you know, you can start, you know, where, where you get the corny guys on Twitter who use every different player's jersey numbers to start counting down how many days are out of college football. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. So we we are we are in that window right mm-hmm. now. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of a I don't think I would have thought of that as a marker, but as the youngest representative on this podcast, Xavier, that is, uh, that is a good pull right there. So, when you start getting the people using the jersey numbers as uh, the countdown, you know, you know it's getting closer. So that's Absolutely. a good way uh, to look at that. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about uh, top 10 quarterback lists because it's the preseason. And this is the time where we start getting these lists dropping. Like Nick just mentioned, Phil Steele's magazine going to be coming out soon. I'm sure Athlon is going to not be far behind Phil. And a bunch of magazines are going to be coming out. And they oh, all I've already have- got.
0: The, that, uh, Athlon the Athlon magazine. Oh okay, yeah. Okay, the
1: Athlon's already out. Yeah, I was gonna say and, Athlon's and, usually
0: first. And you know, look look real close at that uh, contributor list on the oh, front page. Oh yeah. We, yeah yeah. I got I got left out last year, but, uh, <laughs> but they put me in this year. <laughs>
1: Well, look at that. So, see, we're uh, we're famous here. Our very own Nicholas Ian Allen is in the magazine. So, as he was last year, just not <laughs> listed as a contributor, apparently. But, uh, yeah, we got magazines coming out. There's top ten lists all over the place. So, we're going to take uh, a look at some of those uh, lists that we have for quarterbacks here. But the big news of the week, guys, is uh, ASU. And ASU being in some trouble uh, looks like just rampant recruiting violations during the dead period last season during covid and it's an ugly scene nick so do you want to kind of break it down and tell us uh what we have in this violation and and why it is a violation
0: yeah so it's it's uh pretty pretty blatant stuff sounds like but two of the reporters sort of at the forefront of everything as as news was starting to trickle out on Wednesday, Uh, Doug Holler of The Athletic and then Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports have have both been reporting on this, but uh, it sounds like the ASU compliance office received a packet that had uh, a lot of detailed information on prospects, as many as 30 prospects who uh, had visited uh, during the 15 months when there was a NCAA mandated dead period because of the pandemic uh, uh, family reported that the, the he used the word dossier included dozens of pages with screenshots, receipts, pictures, emails, I mean, tons and tons of stuff. And so, you know, his, his story on it is a bit more detailed. It goes into, you know, quotes from uh, the athletic director at Notre Dame quotes from uh, Stanford head coach, David Shaw, who, you know, guys like that going on the record talking about how, disrespectful these sort of actions were to just completely disregard uh, the rules put in place, you know, that, that were put in place uh, in an effort to keep people safe and healthy and, and all of that. But it sounds like, and it sounds like there are, uh, you know, there's proof to it that that Arizona State was uh, just, you know, trying to, to take advantage Of the situation trying to gain an advantage in recruiting uh there are a lot of questions you know how much did herm edwards know it sounds like you know from the detail in in these reports that he at least met with recruits you know whether or not uh how much he he knew the process of of getting them to campus or whatnot or if he was you know they were quote unquote bumping into them on just they happen to be in the area, uh, but uh, hard for me to believe he didn't know what was really going on. Yeah. Both both stories mentioned that you know he's taken the CEO route, and uh, Antonio Pierce, the defensive coordinator and recruiting coordinator, is really kind of the one who oversees all the day to day details, and especially in recruiting. So it sounds like you know Pierce kind of being a guy who's who's going to be. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about him. I'm sure he seems to probably be uh, in just as much hot water, if not more than Edwards. Um, He, it, it sounds like there's sort of a, you know, a, an Antonio Pierce camp within the ASU program, coaching staff, administration, what have you, um, who've kind of been, you know, involved in, in this sort of stuff. And, Sounds like that group maybe didn't treat some other people in the building very well, who might have been the ones to, you know, get pissed off and start taking notes, start start uh, cataloging some of this stuff, and and uh, potentially even delivered it to, you know, the NCAA and, and to the compliance department. So uh, still very very early. It sounded you know there were some whispers about. Uh, something big happening early in the week. But uh, once this, you know, dropped on Wednesday that it was Arizona State and and kind of all these details are starting to come out, I'm sure we'll learn more and more. But right now, you know, it doesn't, doesn't look good. And and kind of, I think most people's first thought is, is Herm Edwards going to survive this? Is the you know coaching staff going to survive this? Is Arizona State set up for uh, some really, you know, big time penalties coming down, whether it's, uh, you know, we don't know the timeline, that stuff usually kind of takes a while, but, uh, seems like this is a story we're going to be dealing with for, for a while.
1: Yeah. And it seems to me like it's just, you know, when you get recruits, uh, when, when you get recruiting violations, this massive, it seems like, uh, NFL arrogance, which is what is being brought to the table with Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce, obviously uh, coming over from the NFL. It's it's that old, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. But uh, I think it does. Xavier, does it even matter if uh, if Herm Edwards knew about this? Because it's one of two things: either you're complicit in it, or you're dumb enough to let this happen right under your nose. So. I mean, I don't know that it really matters if uh, Herm knew or didn't. He clearly hired the wrong people here. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's really where it's going to fall down to,
2: is you know, obviously they're going to be slapped with sanctions uh, doing uh, because of this. And you know, uh, you you are, you, you pose the question of whether or not Herm will be able to, or Nick posed the question of whether or not Herm would survive this. He'll survive this. You know, uh, I, I see. You know, I see no reason for them to. Oh. All right. Siri, Siri just connected <laughs> instead. That was weird. Um, but no, yeah, I don't, I don't see any and reason. Antonio
1: Pierce is listening to you. That's uh, what it is. I'm <laughs> um,
2: but I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't survive this. We still see Edwards around at LSU. Uh, I don't I don't, I don't see why this is, you know, I won't say any different, but at the same time, I don't see him losing his job because of it. That'll be the absolute last thing that ASU does. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get rid of the entire staff before they get rid of a guy of like Herm Edwards, you know, you know, caliber and the name that it brings alongside of it uh, and what he has done for the, you know, the school so far, just not in football, but bringing more recognition to the school as a whole by bringing in NFL staffers or, or former NFL players and NFL coaches as staff staffers as well. So you're right, Scott, he's complicit or he's directly involved in this. It's not a good look for him either. Uh, I just don't see ASU pulling that kind of trigger because ASU is not a school that really brings in a coach of that high profile. So for them to pull the trigger on probably you know the biggest coach that they've had in a very long time, I don't see them doing that. Like I said, I think they would much rather get rid of his entire staff before you see him get you know docked for the for this um, by ASU.
0: What I know. I, I would push back a little bit on that. I, I don't know if they're going to have much of a choice. I mean, right. really – Early on, and the thing that stuck out to me was that you have a coach within the conference, and you know, we're, we're uh, there are certain conferences where maybe it wouldn't it wouldn't really surprise you, but the Pac-12 and specifically David Shaw, I, I you know that jumps out to. Me. That you have multiple athletic directors. Not only uh, the there was an, the athletic director from Notre Dame uh, was quoted in, in Thamel's story. Since then, I've seen uh, a statement from the Oregon State athletic director. You know th- those things don't happen super often to to come out immediately with statements and using words like disrespectful and uh, you know basically whether verbatim or not kind of said, Hey, what they're doing is kind of uh, completely spitting in the face of everybody else in the conference, in college football.
1: And I, and, 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 there's two sides of that too. It may not just be the college football recruiting stuff. It's also the COVID stuff, you know, there are, yeah, there are, I, saw,
0: I saw fewer details on, on that, but yeah, I had seen some stuff that there were, yeah, some COVID violations, just not, not taking things seriously, and you know Arizona State. On on the one hand, uh, I get what you're saying, Xavier. Might might be real hesitant to cut ties with Herm Edwards, and he seems like such a great guy. And I was very surprised, you know, seeing this. Yeah. I have a, I have a mm-hmm. high, uh, have always had a high respect for for Herm Edwards, and and seemed like a really good guy. Wanted to do the right things, and and this is just you know so blatant and not. It's not like they were trying to hide it, and you know, uh, it's it's arrogance is is an, uh, a good word, I think, Scott. But uh, yeah, I just I I don't know. I I I think that they might be hesitant hesitant to to want to get rid of him because he was the right. handpicked guy, but they might not have a choice. I think the outside pressure is going to be great. I think if the NCAA decides to come down hard, you know, you kind of have to say okay you know, we've got all these sanctions, we're going to lose scholarships, we're going to lose this and that, you know, depending on the level of, of uh, infractions as, as they are, are, are on the uh, penalties as, as they're handed out. And then, you know, ASU might decide or might be faced with a decision to, okay, we can keep our guy who's kind of, you know, completely soiled our reputation. So who's going to come now anyway? Or, all right, we just need to clean house, start over. You know, we've seen other programs kind of have to, to mm, do that in the yeah. past and, and kind of get a, a clean slate so you can kind of rebuild the image. Uh, I, you know, maybe the athletic director might get caught up in this and, and yeah. lose his job. I mean, this is this is like complete lack of oversight type stuff. And, and so there's, you know, on the one hand, I can see like, oh, it's not really that big of a deal. Oh, everybody you know, uh, bends the rules, breaks the rules, all this sort of stuff. But just from what it sounds like in the reporting, uh, this is just completely just blatant and just like thumbing their nose at at the rules. And, and that, that sort of strikes me as, you know,
1: uh,
0: whoever, whoever is going to be in charge of, of coming down on Arizona state, it might be, you know they might have a pretty heavy hand.
1: Yeah, it's and example setting time. Yeah, sure,
0: sure. And and so I I I think I disagree. I, I think I lean toward. You know, Herm Edwards is is more likely to lose his job than not.
1: And and I understand the logic behind uh, what you said, Xavier. Here because Herm Edwards is a different. You know him like Nick mentioned taking the CEO role uh, of the right. team and not being. As hands-on as other head coaches could save him here, so I understand the logic that you're bringing to the table with this. And you're right, ASU is a huge program, but it's not as big as some of these other programs that are hiring giant coaches every single cycle where they want a new coach or need a new coach. ASU is not in that group, so getting Herm Edwards is huge for them, and it's, yeah. it's helped them for recruiting and you know staying competitive and and he's a good coach, so. There, I, I see, I see the logic, and I see how you could add it up to, um, you know, Herm Edwards just not knowing that any of this stuff was going on. But I think, and it's obviously the situations are completely different, right? Uh-huh. But ever since all the stuff that happened at at Penn State, the uh, I didn't know or I wasn't informed. It's just not an excuse that flies for a head coach anymore. So I. Uh, it, it, it once again, this situation is nothing compared to that situation. Of right, course, right, right. But uh, I just think that that excuse as a whole doesn't hold up anymore because of that. So you have agree. to be in control from the top down.
2: And, and where I agree absolutely with the both of you two, I will say this. As being a journalist major, I think that this is something I, I read in the articles a little bit heavier. And they've already started creating the scapegoat. Right. It which is, is Antonio perished.
1: Pierce. He you know, is they, not liked, they, uh, you know, you know I, mo-
2: most of most of the articles because I just pulled it up. I just wanted to kind of see how not just, you know, how you and I are, are thinking about this, but how is the, the media perception thinking about this? And from I'd say over half of the articles that popped right up was Antonio Pierce, Antonio Pierce. They're creating the narrative already that this was Antonio Pierce is doing and that Herm Edwards. And you're right. You're absolutely right with the Penn State situation or since the Penn State situation that coaches being, you know, you know, hands you can't, off, can't not bleed
1: It can't plead exactly. ignorance, right?
2: Right. But they're already starting to kind of do that for him. You know, they're already starting to make it to where Antonio Pierce is so much the big, so much the person that caused all of this that there's no way Herm, you know, could it could it could, could you know do something or uh, have any reason to amount to this situation. And, and when you're doing that from a media perspective, you're right. David Shaw coming down and saying what he's saying, and, and obviously the Notre Dame AD also coming down is really damning towards Herm Edwards and to, towards uh, ASU football. But when, but but ultimately, what it's going to come down to is two things: one, how much does ASU care about Herm Edwards? Because you guys are both right; he's in the CEO role; he's not in a typical coaching role; he's more of a he's almost general manager ish, right? So yeah, how much yeah. do they care about uh, care about how much Herm Edwards has done? and two and this is you know and this is something i've thought of as well is you know if it comes out that you know th- there's more to this do they ruffle any more feathers because it's one thing for this situation to have the, the situation that's already started but you know snick alluded to it earlier it, they pissed a couple of people off and this is and this is what came and this is what come, came out imagine and, if and- you piss any more people off and well, it gets worse than this. And we, now ASU gets more f- from a slap on the wrist to, you know what I'm saying, a punch in the face. You
1: know what I'm you, saying? When you make comments like, uh, you know, Shaw did, and who else did you say, Nick? Uh, the Notre Dame AD. And yeah. then mm-hmm. uh, the Notre Dame State. AD
0: was, was quoted in Thamel's story. And then there since this afternoon was a, a statement by the Oregon State athletic director as right. well. Yes. So I wouldn't say be clean more coming yeah. out.
2: And that's and that's the that's the scariest part, and I think that's the scariest part with any college football team is, is just a, just the tip of an iceberg, because right. at the end of the day, if it's not, then you need to hold serve on whatever you can and take the slap on the wrist and take the sanctions. You know, I'm surprised, so I'm shocked that they haven't started imposing their own sanctions. I'm I'm, I'm genuinely shocked because that's typically kind of the first move for most org- for most universities to do well, and stuff like that.
0: Well, so the the Arizona State released a statement said they're aware that they're being investigated so it's it's i think all happening very quickly okay um so i mean we're, yeah, we're, this we're, just
1: came down what two days ago as yeah, we're recording this. So Wednesday,
0: yeah it's been, been about 30 hours or something since it since the the news broke of, officially right. um so that probably will happen before too long but yeah i mean the more the more i think about it you know, uh, so there's, there's uh, the head coach I worked for long ago now, but uh, used to always tell us, and and I feel like I might've heard even Herm Edwards say something along these lines is, you know, you either coach it or you allow it to happen. And, you know, when you're talking about your position group or whatever, and I think that can be applied to any head coach as well. I mean, it's, if it happens under your watch, it's your responsibility. So the more I think about it, even if they're setting up, you know, Antonio Pierce seems to be the guy maybe orchestrating this piece of it and, and might be the the most at fault, I guess. Uh, but I just, I don't, not only to me, if I were to, to have to, to say today, okay, who survives this at, at with their job? Uh, I think Pierce is absolutely gone. Uh, I think Herm Edwards is probably... Over fifty-one percent likely to be gone, and I think there's, you know, a pretty good chance that the athletic director's gone. Oh, so if, if you know if he's gone, you know if the athletic director's gone, the guy who handpicked Tom Edwards, that's a decision for the university president. Not all university presidents, you know, I I, I don't know exactly the situation at Arizona State, but they're in a lot of cases you know university presidents aren't always the biggest uh you know sports fans they understand the the importance of it to the university but yeah you yeah. know want want to take the the university as a whole you know uh, that that's more important the reputation of the university as a whole and something like this could be a stain on the university as a whole's reputation so they might just say you know what we're going to clean house in the athletic you know athletic department office, the football uh, coaching staff and and go from there. So I, I think if if I were to uh, put odds on it, I think Antonio Pierce is ninety nine percent gone. I think Herm Edwards is probably sixty percent at least gone and and I think it's probably 50 fifty that the athletic director would would uh, lose his job as well.
1: Fair. Yeah, but, and I mean yeah,
0: it's all happening very fast. We'll know more details later, but that's right. just as as I think more about it. That that seems you know it it seems to be a bigger deal. It seems to be becoming a bigger deal, not a smaller deal. If that makes sense, and if it gets it, it, bigger and bigger, it, then it it grabs more people as it continues to to roll.
1: Herm is sixty seven too, you know, so he could just say, you know what. Uh, this I don't a- <laughs> want to deal with any of this, so yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and step away. And that's that, you know, but, uh, and, and it wouldn't be that shocking. Fair. I mean, I, I think it'd be shocking to see Herm Edwards, you know, right off into the sunset on something, you know, gross like this. That's what I was going to say. He's so yeah. well-respected. Be a big disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and such a, you know, seemingly good person, you know, to, to see him uh, mired in disgrace and walk away, I think would be surprising, but yeah, I mean, he's going to have to defend himself and it's tough to plead ignorance when you're uh, when you're at that point. So okay. uh, anything else on this Xavier uh, about ASU? I oh, was, I was just, just going to
2: say, you know, it's going to be weird. I don't know if Herm's just going to walk away from this one. I, I feel like Herm. Is one of those guys who goes down with the sinking ship, he's going to try to clear his name as much as he possibly can. Because Herm doesn't strike me as a guy who wants to retire. And and this is something that not only will carry throughout his coaching tenures, but I'm not so sure that his character won't be questioned. And you know, possible jobs after this would, would have to look, you know, have to think a little bit harder about hiring Herm Edwards right off the back of this. And so for me. He's going to fight this just because I don't think that, and I, I just I'm not so sure that he's going to hop right out off of this situation and then hop back on the, to an ESPN. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah, and I know the players like uh, Pierce. Uh, at least if you're in Pierce's circle, you're, you're liked. But you know, I got a buddy who's still on ASU right now, and, and and he's not. He he is not happy about this situation, and he does not like Antonio Pierce. So yeah. the the parents are are not. Uh, I think they want him gone too. So. When and
0: Pierce was set up, as I understood it, you know, basically the right hand man. He's he's defensive coordinator. He was going to
1: take over. It seemed like when had, right. sounded decided like to go. Kind yeah. of
0: the the next guy in line, and you know, had been if not a finalist, was at least among the seriously considered candidates at Arizona. Um, so it's uh, you know this this is it's. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it, it will be very interesting to see how it all shakes out. It's disappointing because I do really like Herm Edwards. Always have yeah. really liked Herm Edwards. Yeah. Uh, also, Arizona State really seemed to be moving in the right direction. Right direction. Yeah. Really well. Pierce was a big part of you know helping raise the the uh, talent profile. Uh, they were doing you know big things in Southern California. They'd really spread out into a nat. You know, getting guys uh, from all. All across the country. I mean, Rashad White's from Missouri. Chip Tranim's from Ohio. You know, they they're picking some really exciting, talented players from uh, you know a lot of a lot of different places. Seem to be a contender in the South. They're 13th in our power rankings, third in the Pac-12. You know, basically co-favorites with USC. You might argue uh, in the South and. To to have this pop up, not only, I think, seems like a, a program-changing uh situation really gonna halt that progress long term, but stuff like this really throws a wrench into this season as well. And and if this is one of those situations, different situation, obviously. But you know, we saw what happened at Arkansas when Bobby Petrino got let go prior to the season. Uh Ole Miss you know, Baylor, all those situations, different things happening, of course. But uh, those teams got worse immediately and took a while to to dig out of. So, you know, this this uh, doesn't look good. You
1: know, what is the craziest part about this is that their recruiting class for 2021 was their lowest since 2011 as far as national ranks go. So yeah. it's not so it like it, pay off. Yeah, it didn't even give them a huge advantage <laughs> yeah, exactly. at all. One so, of the
0: one of the quotes in the Thamel piece, uh, there was I think an anonymous coach uh, was just like, "You're gonna, you're gonna put your career on the line, your your reputation and your career on the line for a 17 year old kid." Yeah. Like, and then doing it 30 times so that you know they're gonna take photos they're going to say uh, there was talk in the piece about like yeah the cameras uh are going they're, this was happening so often that they were just like you know what don't even worry about turning the cameras off you know whatever not a big deal but but that that quote about putting your career on the line for a 17 year old kid kind of that that one stuck with me that that <laughs> that makes a lot of sense and uh just a, a really uh man you know these it, are bad
1: decisions the,
0: this is this is a dumb thing to like sync a program with but i think it could do
1: that yeah it 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 really really could so uh disappointing from arizona state uh and We'll obviously continue to monitor what's going on there because this is not the end of the story. This is very the tip of the iceberg as Xavier alluded to. So we'll see if uh, anything worse was going on. Hopefully not. But now that everything's open, we're going to find, we're going to find everything that's going on at ASU. So uh, you, you uh, uh, no longer get to be an outsider looking in. We're going to dive deep on it. So, uh, you know, and that's kind of the thing, you know, in this day and age, everything's being recorded all the time Mm -hmm. like you have almost no privacy why would you think you could get away with any of this stuff it's just because stupid you said
2: Scott. yeah because who doesn't and and this is the funniest part that i was thinking about when nick first told me all of the ad's and all of the schools that are coming out and talking about this be careful what you wish for because yeah one year it's you one year it's somebody else Then somebody at your university gets ticked off and they tell everybody what you did behind closed doors, too. So, you know, unless you're running the squeaky clean program, which in my time playing college football, being around college football, that's not the case for most universities. I would just say, hey, why? You know, David Shaw. Hey, it's tough enough to get into Stanford as it is. So I'm assuming you're running a clean program. Don't let anything (laughs) come out because it would be real disrespectful if it did.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't play the holier than thou role unless you are in fact holier than thou. So, uh, you know, you, you you better be up on your P's and Q's. So, yes. you're absolutely right about that. Let's talk about some transfers. Get away from the uh, the bad news and talk about some of these transfers here. And uh, Missouri added two starters from Tulsa and defensive backs uh, Caleb Evans and Ali Green. The fourth, both were uh, hot commodities. Nick. And uh, Evans even had an offer from Notre Dame and decided to go to Mizzou. So uh, that is uh, the first of the transfer news. We got a bunch here. Former Ohio State five-star defensive back Tyreek Johnson landed at Nebraska. Former Cornhusker Luke McCaffrey, who had committed to Louisville, instead decided to go to Rice. And you have the note here that his brothers also had some words for Scott Frost. I don't (laughs) think I caught that. So I'll be interested to hear what that was. Uh, Former Colorado quarterback, Sam Neuer transferred to Oregon State. That's an interesting one. Uh, LSU running back uh, transferred Trey Bradford. It looks like he is going to head to Oklahoma. USC landed former TCU running back Darwin Barlow. USC just stocking up transfer running backs this year. Uh, All-Mac safety Tyrone Hill is transferred from Buffalo. Another guy out of Buffalo to Washington State. Uh, Arizona, who lost an expected All-Mac transfer linebacker last month, brought in uh, Rashi Hodge from New Mexico State. And there are a few FCS-D2 transfers of note. Former Jackson State wide receiver Daylon Baldwin chose Michigan over Ohio State. Don't know what you're doing, Daylon, if you're choosing Michigan over Ohio State as a wideout, but okay. And then uh, Shea Wyatt will transfer to uh, Tulane and Purdue landed Christopher Finley, so a bunch of transfer news. Nick, here, what what stands out the most to you?
0: Well, uh, to to just hit on those last few uh, real quick, I, I do believe Baldwin is a Michigan native, so that uh, okay. might have might have played a role. But uh, but yeah, happen. and and also you know, path to playing time might be a little easier at Michigan than. <laughs> than ohio Look, State. nico
1: collins just got drafted so and, and they true. were had horrible 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 quarterback play and he didn't have the best stats ever he still got drafted so you're still you're still on a big stage in michigan i i probably shouldn't have said that but just <laughs> from from you and me playing cff and all of us right. watching the right. caveman offense of michigan not want to throw the ball forward ever uh, you know, it, it just seems it seems like a weird concept. So hey, this is
0: the year things change, though.
1: Yeah, right. uh, but class, uh, so
0: the the one that <laughs> the one that <laughs> caught my eye because I, I was putting all of these in our FBS team profiles and and going through and trying to tally up you know production points and all that sort of stuff because you know some of these FCS D two transfers do start to accumulate some some pretty good. Uh, ratings. Uh, Missouri had a, a D two transfer wide receiver last year that you know Kiki Chisholm's become uh, you know has a chance maybe to be one of the better uh, receivers in in the SEC. But uh, Christopher Jefferson, the transfer to Purdue from Division II Finley, uh, pretty intriguing player. It will be a third year sophomore, uh, but has played or actually might I guess might technically be a, a, a junior, but has you know three years of eligibility remaining, but uh, has played in twenty games, eleven starts, and and uh, put up a, a lot of production there. So uh, not a huge guy, listed at 5, 10, 185 but Purdue is, has really been in search of uh, you know some playmakers on defense. They've brought in more than a half dozen transfers. Uh, they have. Three defensive coordinators. I just saw the other day. Three guys technically have uh, that in their job title. Uh, so they're they're figuring things out on defense, and and uh, he has a chance, I think, to to potentially make an impact. I'm, I'm intrigued with him. But uh, other bigger names. Caleb Evans was was one of the, as I understand it, most highly sought after defensive back transfers in college football this this offseason I mean he, I think was probably more highly sought after than Tariq Johnson who was a former five-star guy and and going to Missouri reuniting with his former position coach there getting Allie Green there as well uh you know Mizzou lost a few transfers and and so for those guys to go in probably going to be immediate starters uh teaming up with a couple of returning starters Missouri that secondary looked like a bit of a, you know, question mark, they ranked 70th in our uh, DB unit rating rankings prior to this news. So, you know, that's, that's going to be a big help, Uh, a spot on defense where, where they really could have used some experience, some talented guys. And both of those guys seem to, you know, have, have pro potential at at the very least. So uh, that I think is, is definitely the most impactful transfer news of, of uh, you know, immediate impact here. We talked last week about another transfer uh, from the G5 going to Washington State. Every little bit helps. They're trying to get better there as well. Um, I'm not sure Neuer is is gonna play much at Oregon State. Seems like he would be, you know, not the favorite to, to get that job, but he's going closer to home. He is a, you know, all Pac-12 second teamer from last year, has played uh, multiple positions. so seems like he's you know moving there and and I'm sure we'll have a role of some sort. But uh, you know, the other guys, probably the biggest impact is is McCaffrey. and I have to think he's got uh, a very high likelihood of taking that starting job immediately. I know that they've you know brought in another transfer. Uh, they brought in, or they have multiple guys with starting experience returning, but he is far and away, at least you know, according to uh, talent numbers, according to our individual player ratings, uh, the the highest rated player there. So it looked like Wiley Green, jane Constantine, and Giovanni uh, Johnson were kind of in a three way battle there, but I, I went ahead and penciled uh, McCaffrey in at. at you know the starter yeah. and rice when you know prior to him coming in ranked 129th in our QB rankings now with McCaffrey, assuming he's the starter, I think that's a fair assumption. Still yeah. not a guarantee, but probably uh, why he
1: went to Rice. To be honest with you, so. sure.
0: And and they're you know they're they're doing some things. They brought in a, a new uh, offensive play caller. There sounds like they want to uh, change things up a little bit. Could really use a uh, you know versatile, uh, athletic quarterback. And McCaffrey, you know, really. Flashed at times, uh, mostly as a runner at Nebraska, but but did some good things. Wrestled that job away from Adrian Martinez uh, for a couple of weeks, but uh, they were 129th in our QB ratings, and and with McCaffrey in as the sole starter, 86th. And you know that might not sound great, but every other unit on the roster is in the triple digits, is 10th or worst in Conference USA, and for this to you know immediately make uh, the quarterback position now their highest rated position in our ratings, uh, and a top you know they're in the top half of conference USA now in, in quarterback ratings. So uh, it's it got the potential to be a pretty impactful move.
1: Xavier, what what do you think about these transfers here? Is there one in particular you're excited to see over the other ones?
0: Well, I
2: mean, I, I believe I called Sam Neuer.
1: I'm almost positive. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. you did. You did. So I was a little happy to see that one. Uh, but Missouri uh, adding the two corners from Tulsa is huge because they just lost two of them, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that, that's that's massive for them to get in two guys from the G5 level who are uh, productive and, and can step right in and, and play day one because they lost two guys who are st- uh, you know starter caliber, you know uh, that walked away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you have the tweets. Um, from Luke McCaffrey, from the McC- the McCaffrey brothers. Uh, but that was pretty funny. I- I'll be honest. Um, if you guys, I don't know, you know, well,
0: it was Christian-, Christian McCaffrey, and it was it was another one who I'm not as familiar with. But uh, basically, Max, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so you know, Scott Frost said some things, something that a lot of coaches have said very similarly. How guys go into the transfer portal, it's not always. You know, That's not always going to get as much attention mm-hmm. as you think. Some guys go in and and you know get their feelings hurt or don't you know find out that they're not as high in demand. Uh, and I'm you know he he specifically vaguely referenced McCaffrey, saying you know we had a guy leave here who's already left the last place he was and now's to a third place and and the the, the immediate. Thought, you know, from what I saw from Christian McCaffrey, was, you know, hey, you know, Scott Frost, didn't you transfer? So it was just kind of a uh, <laughs> hypocritical, you know, calling, <laughs> calling the guy out for being hypocritical because Scott Frost started at Stanford, transferred In to Nebraska. Nebraska. Uh, yep. Sounded like perhaps there might have been a little tamper because you know, Scott Frost was talking about, you know, tampering and, and things like that. Sounded like he talked with the Nebraska coaching staff before he actually officially left Stanford. So it it was kind of just saying, you know, Hey, uh,
1: well, we just mentioned, you know, (laughs) make sure your, your closet is clean if you're uh, cleaning out other people's closets. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: But yeah, not, not a big deal. And I don't, I don't think anything that Scott Frost said was, uh, you know, too crazy or, or disrespectful or anything, but it was just kind of a, uh, yeah, just, uh, just, uh, hey, don't, you know, don't be too hypocritical talking bad about guys who are transferred when you transferred when you yeah. were a player. So okay. I, I get that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely understandable. So, and, you know, look, when it's your brother that, that's being mentioned and, yep. you know, Christian McCaffrey's, uh, as big a name as he is, he, he's holds some influence. So, uh, you know, good, good to see him, uh, Dropping a line in, I I always enjoy that stuff. <laughs> Protect your little uh, brothers. That's right, that's right. But uh, let's talk about some of these uh, quarterback rankings here, Nick, because we got lists, we got lists from all over the place. Uh, you, of course, put together you, the top ten uh, units. We've got the VGR Plus, we've got Sporting News, PFF, all kinds of top ten rankings. So uh, I'll just kind of hand it off to you. Where do we start with uh, QB rankings in the offseason here?
0: Yeah. So last week, uh, after recording, we were kind of thinking about the next, you know, few weeks as we're kind of in this in between off-season, preseason time. And position rankings are, are certainly something that's relevant. Uh, it's it's you know that time of year. Uh, PFF put out a, a top ten at every position of of their top ten returning uh, at, at each position group in May, starting with, with uh, quarterbacks just this past week, the sporting news put together a top 25. I'm sure we'll see more and more. And I was, you know, kind of, uh, I, I will skim through lists like that, but I, I sat down and, and was thinking about it and we have at least four lists that you could kind of contribute, contrib- <laughs> attribute to quarterbacks and that might not make sense because, you know, a lot of times when we're talking, oh, the top, you know, however many quarterbacks in college football in, in June, you know, it's usually this is my number one guy. This is my number two guy. You're an idiot if you think this guy's better than that guy. And, you know, our, we call our, that the own- Skip
1: Bayless and uh, Stephen <laughs> A. Smith, uh, you know, uh, level of breaking down things there. <laughs> but,
0: But, you know, it's it's not always that cut and dry because uh, we we evaluate things in different ways. And and the ones, you know, our unit ratings, our unit rankings have the most impact to our overall, you know, when we're talking about, oh, Missouri ranks 49th in our power rankings. Well, the thing that we're taking into account is, you know, what their quarterback unit rating is and that of course is built on individual player ratings and we do have individual ratings for you know 10,000 plus players including every quarterback so it's also interesting to see who individually has the highest rating in our you know player formula and and that spits something out but then you know how do you define who the best quarterback is anyway are we talking about uh, somebody who puts up the best you know the statistics? Are we talking about a most valuable player for their team, or, or you know that that type of thing? Where it's not always you know directly tied to statistics, but maybe somebody who's leading a team to a championship, or you know is the best quarterback necessarily the Heisman front runner, the Heisman winner, the most likely to be an All American or a pro prospect? So uh, you know uh, one one way of of sort of scoring that. We play college fantasy football, right? And and yeah. uh, you know DFS and things like that. And, and I am in uh, the middle of working on stat projections and, and do have CFF rankings for our patrons. So you know, putting together that set of lists, it's not always the highest rated guys in our VGR Plus formula that that are going to be putting up the most stats. I mean, we expect. Guys like you know Bryce Young, DJ Uyunglele to be top five producers uh, as as far as CFF and DFS and things like that, but they just haven't played enough to to rank as highly in our individual player ratings. So thought we could go through those lists a little bit. If you guys have you know, uh, hey, I think this guy's a top ten quarterback or, or, you know, that guy's overrated or, or what have you, we can get there. But all right, so back in May, PFF released a list of, of every position group of the top 10 returning in college football. I really respect PFF. I think they do uh, some great work, very valuable work that I use in, in some of my own analysis. But sometimes these lists can spit out some unexpected results, we'll say but a uh, good place to start. they number one quarterback returning Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Uh, that makes sense to me. Followed by Sam Howell. De'Eric King, kind of an interesting choice at number three. Uh, Dylan Gabriel at UCF. Michael Penix Jr. from Indiana, number five. Followed by Matt Corral at Ole Miss. Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina. DJ Uyangalaleh, Clemson. Number nine, Miles Brennan from LSU, and number ten, Keaton Slovis at USC. So, for you guys, any any names jump out immediately from from that particular list?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Th- th- there there are three names in particular, <laughs> Scott, go that, ahead that jump out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the first one being Miles Brennan. Uh, you know, being on oh. this list, he's not going to be. On any other list, we know that it's definitely not going to be on our CFF list for sure. Right. And I mean, Miles Brennan is walking in as the starter, right? But it, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. is, not necessarily. Is it, yeah. Okay, there's, there's, see, there's that's people
0: what who say. think that Max Johnson's going to win that job, right? He might so even he be sort of leaving right. after spring. So yeah, that that one did jump out to me too.
1: Yeah. So so that one is surprising. I mean, what is it we're not seeing that PFF is seeing on Miles Brennan? Nick, do you have any? idea about what that would be what what's the what's the thing that makes a guy that may not even be the starter you want, end up on a list like this you want you want the real answer or you want what nick's gonna tell you uh, okay well uh, you know what first i want what xavier has <laughs> what, to say about what it the, so, that okay. yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, a lot, like nick is over here bearing the truth nick is just gonna give you pffs outlook but, but oh no no why, nick's, gonna,
2: nick's gonna tell you the, the what you know is the truth i'm gonna give
1: you a conspiracy Okay, PFF let's, does hear, this. Let, let's hear that uh, crazy hair theory here.
2: PFF does this every year. They pick a quarterback who's probably not going to have the greatest of years. Last year it was Davis Mills. Years, in the, uh, years prior it's been other QBs that they love the way that they throw the football. That's it. They love the way that they throw the football. They have great form. They have that traditional arm, you know, release point. It's a beautiful spiral in the air. They do this every offseason, and guess what? Miles Brennan is going to have a below-average year if he plays at all, or to an average year. However, he'll still remain a PFF darling, and you'll hear that name come back around uh, next year, or, why, or if Miles Brennan uh, has the ability to go pro, you'll hear it then. They did it last year with Davis Mills. PFF just has sometimes they have their darlings, and they push them on their top ten lists every offseason.
1: I mean, uh, you have. Uh, well, what do you think about that tinfoil hat uh, thought process there, Nick?
0: Uh you know I I I don't know but
1: uh, <laughs> you know I I
0: respect the work that they do but I I I feel like they come through well one I I kind of understand they have a a system in place uh they grade quarterbacks and they rely pretty heavily on that grading uh you know that grade as it comes out Miles Brennan graded really well when he played last year at an 88 0.3 passing grade. Uh, you know they have other things that they look like. Uh, look at what they call big time throws. He had ten big time throws. Just one turnover worthy play. So when he was on the field, he he performed really really well. We haven't seen him on the field in a while. We saw Max Johnson more recently. We've been reading. You know, in the last. A uh, couple of months that it sounds like Max Johnson is at least even with Brennan, if not slightly ahead. And so, you know, I, I think that if Miles Brennan were to win this job, he certainly could be a top ten quarterback. You know, at least statistically. I'm I'm not a, a draft guy or, or you know a pro of talent evaluator or anything like that. So I, I that kind of is where it stops for me. I'm not sure where he'd rank, uh, or you know his pro prospects, but yeah, if he wins the job, he certainly could be a, a great quarterback could have a great year. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to win the job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, and, and that's why it's, that's why his name jumps off, uh, of, oh, uh, the radar here. So, uh, the, what, what's, what's the second one to use Javier, here? What's, what's the next name on this PFF list that stands out?
2: You know, I, I don't, Dylan Gabriel being at 4 just really kind of shocks me. Um, you know, Yeah, I, great year. You know, he I mean, he did. And where I don't, you know, where I where I will won't say that he won too many games. Statistically, he was a great year. Just with the change of coaching staff for me, I just don't know how he'll necessarily look going into next year. He's not under the same kind of and maybe this is a little bit of SEC bias, but I'm not so sure how, you know, he's going to look as, you know, you know, he, uh, the coach coming in doesn't have a great track record with quarterbacks in his time at Auburn. And so for me, yes, Dylan Gabriel is uber talented, has all of the, you know, has all the, you know, intangibles that you want from a quarterback, even the physical tools, you know, he's, he's a little bit more, you know, he's sneakier, sneakily athletic. Uh, you know, he has a great arm. I'm not, so still not sure what, the new head coaching and a new regime is going to do with that from a play calling standpoint and from ultimately just, you know, a progression standpoint, you know, does, is this progression going to be stunted by a new play, a new playbook, you know, new, uh, you know, and all that. So I'm a little surprised he's that high. Now, if he was 10th on this list or something like that, I wouldn't have too much, so much of a problem with it. But with him being, you know, ahead of guys, who I think are going to come in and have an amazing year, like a Matt Corral, that for me, was just a little bit too high.
1: Uh, the the last one that stands out on this list, not because I don't like him, uh, but b- because he's just banged up, is Michael yep. Penix. You know, Michael oh, Penix I you Go with King. Well, both of them. You yeah. know, you, you you could say you could put. I, I'm I'm not surprised Dear King's on any list because I think he's amazing, right? right? So maybe three is high coming off the injury and everything. Uh, but Michael Penix as well. They're both coming off of injuries here, Nick. And I know they're both expected to be back on time, but. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, what what do you think about them being on this list coming off of those knee injuries?
0: If if both King and Penix are healthy, I I certainly think that they could be among the very best quarterbacks in college football. I mean, we you know, it's been two full years, three full years, or whatever. Derrick King had fifty touchdowns in a season, uh, not that long ago. So you know, if you were able to put up those sort of numbers at Miami you could argue that, that that's highly unlikely, but if he were, then then absolutely we'd have to think of him as, as one of the best uh, quarterbacks in college football. Penix, you know, has, has that amount of potential as well. We just haven't gotten to see him in, in long enough stretches because he's had a season ending injury, I think three years in a row. But uh, so, yeah, those, those, you guys definitely picked out the, the names that, jumped out to me a bit. I agree with Xavier. I'm, I'm concerned about the uh, uh, change in coaching staff at UCF, not because I don't like Gus Malzahn and, and not because I don't think that he is smart enough to, to look at a guy like Dylan Gabriel and say, okay, we're not going to do exactly what we did at Auburn. We're going to, you know, use our strengths and and uh, put him in a position to, to, Throw the football a lot. Gus has been in offenses before that have thrown the football a lot. I'm hopeful. I don't know if I'm super optimistic about it, but I'm hopeful that the offense we see at UCF next year will look a little bit more like uh, the offense we saw when he was at Tulsa, when they had you know a, what was it a five thousand yard passer, three thousand yard receivers, and a thousand uh, yard rusher. One of the you know one of my favorite offenses of all time. But that's been you know, over a decade since, since he was there. So, uh, almost 14 years now or something, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 at this point, and partly it's because I just, uh, got finished putting together a, a group of, uh, stat projections where, um, you know, similar to last year, they, they're run with a weighted average of the head coach's history, a weighted average of the offensive coordinator's history and a weighted average of uh, the team history. So it does incorporate, you know, recent years for Dylan Gabriel. And I did 24 top quarterbacks and did CFF stat type projections for them. And Dylan Gabriel came out 24th uh, based on that. So if if it's going to be, um, you know, uh, he's going to have to, uh, or, or, you know, Malzahn is, is going to have to change what he does in order to, you know, for Gabriel to be anywhere near the level of production that we, you know, would have expected him to have under Hypo. So, uh, you know, that, that, does definitely jump out to me that that him being you know fourth on this list does he have that potential absolutely but based on kind of recent experience with the system that we kind of expect that he will be in um, it, it it's difficult for me to get there statistically.
1: Uh, all right. So what's the next list you want to go over? Cause we got PFF out of the way. You want to go to VGR plus or do we want to talk about the sporting news?
0: Well, I just put the sporting news together. They, they, uh, you know, it, it's not, Wildly different. We don't have to go uh, as in depth on on each player, but they also had Spencer Rattler number one, Sam Howell number two, DJ Ongole number three, Matt Corral, Dylan Gabriel. They had Keaton Slovis six, so a little bit higher than PFF. They had Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati at number seven, uh, De'Arcy King number eight, and then a couple of, of new names on the list: JT Daniels from Georgia number nine, and, and Brock Purdy number ten. We'll talk about both of those guys later, but uh, but yeah, VGR plus. Uh, You know, if you've listened to us before, you know that we have an individual player rating It's set up to be, you know, basically the same as a Madden rating, like an NCAA football uh, rating that, you know, from the game uh, that we played long ago, but it's VGR stands for video game rating. So it's, it's set up like that, but it's, we take their, you know, each player's talent potential as set by uh, 247 Sports, who I also think does, does a great job. We weight it by experience and then add career production to that to, to give us that uh, number. And like I was saying with with PFF, they have a system in place, and I respect that that they you know have that they use it. I'm sure they you know don't expect it to be perfect. That's how I feel about VGR plus. It's a tool. It's not necessarily a, a perfect thing but it is interesting kind of to see how it, it shakes out. So uh, we do cap it at 100. There are three uh, max 100 rated players. Two of them probably make a lot of sense. One of them might not. Uh, Matt Corral and Sam Howell are, are co-number ones with Brock Purdy. And that you know probably surprises some people. That's definitely because of experience. Brock Purdy's started you know, 30 some games over, over the last three years. Uh, He has had some very productive games and seasons. So he has built up uh, 21 production, 26 production points uh, over his previous three seasons as a starter. The thing that makes me a little bit nervous about having him that highly rated is he's seemingly at least statistically Uh, kind of regressed over each of the last two years so we don't often take production points away uh, unless there's a a really good reason for it I don't I don't think his play has been bad enough that you know he deserves to to have uh, a lot of points taken away I think he's a very good college quarterback and you know Iowa State is is a team that is uh you know benefited from an experienced roster and and gaining those type of production points to make them a top 10 team in our ranking so i'm i'm comfortable with it i wouldn't necessarily call him you know a top three quarterback or certainly not a, a code number one quarterback but uh i don't think it's completely crazy to to consider him a top 10 type quarterback but uh down from there uh dylan gabriel is very close to a 100 rated player, he's our fourth highest rated. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA, uh, somebody we haven't discussed yet, but really highly rated coming out of high school, has you know gotten better and last year did some, some really good things, flashed at certain times. He's very close now to a 100 rating. Adrian Martinez at Nebraska, similar to uh, Brock Purdy, has played a lot of football has had some really good games, and we give production points, you know, for 300-yard passing games or thereabout, for 100-yard rushing games, for all-conference performances, player of the week, all that sort of stuff. And Adrian Martinez has had a few of those. He's had some big-time rushing games. He's had, uh, you know, a few passing games here and there, and and he's added 10 production points over the course of his career. Not nearly as as uh, many production points as Purdy, but uh, you know, coming in as a guy with 27 games started. He's a, a senior. Uh, he's he's getting pretty close to that maximum rating, and has the potential, I think, to to carry that uh, over the course of a full season. We just haven't seen it yet. Number seven, Malik Willis. I was really surprised Malik Willis wasn't on the PFF list. Uh, he is pretty. He's in the sport sporting news top 25, but obviously not the top 10. But uh, he had such a great year last year that. Uh, he's he's uh, a 96 rated player in our formula. JT Daniels, you know, somewhat similar to Dorian Thompson Robinson, five star guy who you know hasn't put together a, a full great season yet, but is starting from a, a very uh, highly rated spot and, and now is becoming an upperclassman. So not surprised to see him on this list. Keaton Slovis, at this point, two years as a starter, is thrown for a lot of yards. A lot of 300 yard passing games, so he's built up some production points. And then a name that really kind of surprised me snuck into the top ten: Clayton Toon, the the starter at Houston. I know yeah. there are some folks uh, specifically in in the CFF community, uh, but you know others as well, college football watchers and fans, uh, kind of excited about Clayton Tune. Has has definitely shown some promise is is a better runner probably than, than we think, but he'll take off and, and uh, pick up some big chunks of yards, score plenty on the ground and, and, you know, can, can throw it as well. So uh, he was a a little bit of a surprise. I I thought maybe we'd see, uh, you know, one of those first-time starter, five-star guys like Bryce Younger or, or DJ Uyengale, uh somebody like that, maybe even a Dustin Crom, who's put together a bunch of production points or, or Grayson McCall or Desmond Ritter. Uh, but, you know, for, for Clayton Toon, it's kind of an interesting name to pop up. But like I said, similar to to, C, uh, to PFF, they have their system in place and, and they trust it, probably don't think it's perfect. Same way with VGR+. Plus. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, have this as my... One through ten order. If I were writing my own list, but good to see Malik Willis on the list. Good to see, uh, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think arguably uh, has as a uh, an argument to to be a top ten type quarterback. You know, to see Corral and Howell toward the top makes sense. A couple of names though definitely do you know surprise me aren't there? And that's Spencer Rattler. I mean, number one on both of the other two lists. Uh, he was a, a highly rated guy. Does have a full season of experience now? He just missed the cut. He's about a ninety four and a half rated player, and he is just a sophomore. Let's just
1: flip him with uh, with Adrian Martinez. Let's just <laughs> that do would, that.
0: You know that would make sense. And honestly, you could say maybe flip him with with Brock Purdy. But uh, but I wouldn't know.
1: say that. Look, Brock Purdy's done some winning. You know, so I'm not surprised to see Brock Purdy on the list at all. Not yeah, even a little bit. same same. Uh, I think this is
2: a guy who I hate to call him this, but I think he he, he not as successful, but he reminds me of the Jake fromm of the big twelve. this is, is what it is. He's not flashy. he's not you know he's not gonna wow you with any with typically anything he does. He has a great running back behind him and he has an amazing tight end that he you know is going to feed it to. He's just not going to put it in harm's way, and he's going to make sure that you're in every single ball game. He's never, he, he rarely Brock Purdy loses you games. Obviously, we saw that game against Louisiana last year. Uh, but I, Brock Purdy doesn't really lose you games. He kind of just keeps you in it, and you know. But he, he's not much of the, you know, he's not the Matt Corral who might throw for four hundred yards. He'll give you two, 10, two touchdowns, and you know, you'll walk away with that happy if you get a dub at the end of the day.
1: I and and I'm completely on board with that, so I'm not surprised to see uh Brock Pretty on this list. But who are who are some guys that uh besides Spencer Rattler that you're surprised because I I mean, I'm I have a list going uh, of guys that I'm I you know, not not just I think they should be on some type of list, but guys I think could potentially break out this year too.
2: Yeah,
1: oh, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, no, oh, no. Well, I mean. For me, you know, I'm shocked Jaden Daniels is on nobody's list. That just for me is is, you know, crazy to think that,
1: you know, he couldn't have an amazing year. Now, hold up. on. 2 days ago, I think it might have been surprising. Is it as well, surprising today yeah, knowing that absolutely. the whole coaching staff might be replaced?
2: For me it is because okay. that doesn't take away from his physical tools. I think Jaden I think Jaden Daniels is probably Outside of maybe Sam Howell, the most physically gifted quarterback we have in college football right now, from his ability to run to his arm talent, um, you know, going along with his size. that I just think he I mean, he, if he's not one of the first two quarterback, first two or three quarterbacks taken off the board in next year's draft, i will be shocked. That's how good I think he is, um, you know, and, and I think to it, you know, obviously, to your credit, he's going to have to probably do this with a brand new offensive coordinator. Coming next year, maybe a brand new head coach in the in the next couple of months. Uh, but I, I don't think that that takes away from his overall physical tools and, and his ability to get the ball out. Um, and so I, I think Jaden Daniels not being on anybody's list like it's not necessarily that he's not you know on you know all of these lists. It's just he's not even you know I would love to see the top fifteen because if if he's not even there, then I'm I don't know what people are, <laughs> I don't know what people are watching because I think he he's a step.
0: He's he's pretty close on our. Uh, VGR plus. He actually has a higher rating uh, than Rattler, so uh, he's a he's a ninety six and a half. So he's he's was right there at the cutoff 11, 12, something like that. Um, you know, he was a highly rated high four star guy. Uh, he's, you know, I'm not a draft guy as I said, but I I think he has put on some weight. I don't think he's two hundred pounds quite yet kind of, from everything <laughs> ever. But
1: uh, you know, I, I come did come hang out with me. We'll get about. That. Yeah, we'll get
0: <laughs> I I did uh, catch the Arizona uh, spring game a few weeks ago, and Yogi Roth, who's definitely uh, optimistic, but uh, mm-hmm. I think has some good insight as well. Kept saying Jaden Daniels, you know, should be considered a Heisman uh, contender, one of the favorites. That seems like it's pushing it a little bit just because they I expected them to run the ball so much uh, but yeah he you know had some moments as a true freshman um, you would expect continue to develop so I, I could see an argument for for Jaden Daniels um, but you know I I it's on the one hand there's not the biggest names this year right trevor lawrence is gone justin fields is gone i mean we we had elite elite quarterbacks for for years and years and so this year it's kind of like you know it feels
1: underwhelming
0: a little bit and you know rattler the the two lists we discussed earlier being number one in both lists you know that makes sense and i've seen plenty of you know way too early uh draft boards and things like that that have rattler number one but i don't know that it's a slam dunk that he's you know the best quarterback in in college
1: football yeah there's no Uh, trevor lawrence like you said right right i I would put i i honestly i'd put rattler as the odds on favorite to go one if he should come out but Mm -hmm. uh you know three bad games in college favorite
0: And I think that makes sense. He's, he's in a position to put up some great numbers and he, you know, he's, he's, there's a lot to like about him as a, as a quarterback, but it's, it's kind of interesting. I I think that this group uh, is just so different compared to the last couple of years where there were like, okay, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, we know he's number one pick. You know, we know Justin Fields is so great. Those two have been, you know, neck and neck one and two for so long. And, 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 uh, it's it's just it's it's interesting to me. It's it's different. Uh, so I'm I'm surprised he's not on our list for VGR plus. But I think that's just an experience thing. He will get there. It might be you know three weeks into the season and and he'll max out at a hundred uh, just to, based on whatever you know stats he puts up things like that. But um, you know one one that uh, a couple I guess we'll just transition to the CFF rankings because you asked like who am I surprised not on the list. I think this actually does a little bit better job of, of sort of showing, okay, who's, who's going to put up these type of numbers and that's what, that's what catches most people's eye. I mean, yeah, you know, watching highlights and things like that. And I'm sure we'll see some great plays from guys like this, but you know, who's going to be the most productive players in college football and this, you know, doing stat projections does a better job of, uh you know projecting, I guess it's in the name, uh, certain guys than just our, our historically based numbers do. And and I think that the uh you know putting the talent in there as the first ingredient helps a lot. You know, DJ Uyangulai and CJ Stroud at Ohio State, uh, Bryce Young and, and to a lesser degree, you know, Spitzer Rattler coming into the last year, those guys were already highly rated. You know, highly rated players. Bryce Young hasn't started a game, he's an 89 rated player. If you were to open up NCAA football 22 and saw Bryce Young was an 89 rated player,
1: that's that makes sense, yeah.
0: Reasonable, right? I mean, yeah, maybe he's maybe we expect him to be a 95 type player or something like that, but 89 is not too bad. DJ, you know, being around that same mark. That that makes sense. I mean, we have we've seen him actually start a couple of games, but you know him as a ninety-one in our, in our ratings. Okay, that's fine. You know, if you if you crack open the uh, the case and and you know put it in and and pull up uh, DJ as a ninety-one in, in the video game, I, I think that's passable. But actually, what do we expect from Clemson? What do we expect from? Alabama both of those guys probably top five production and, and that's actually what uh spit out when I did the projection so Malik Willis if uh you know people uh, don't play CFF uh is the number one without a doubt beyond all shadow of a doubt number one yeah. player uh in in CFF at least at this point in, in the year and it's really not even close uh, but his his number his stat projections. Let me just pull them up here. Uh, ran these through. We expect Willis to throw for and this is over a twelve game regular season, almost thirty three hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, uh, eight hundred and eighty five rushing yards, and thirteen touchdowns. And, I mean that's just you know. Uh, that's, that's what Lamar Jackson type numbers. Right. Right. So, uh, so that's, that's far and away. Number one, there's a little bit of a discussion. Is it Matt Corral or Spencer Rattler? Uh, I think they're basically co-number twos, but they're both going to put up a ton of yards, ton of uh, touchdowns. Uh, They both can run a little bit and they both have experience as a starter. So, so it makes sense that they're two and three. We do have Corral with a, a slight lead in our stat projections uh, then Bryce Young and, and DJ are, are very close at four and five. Makes a lot of sense. Both ton of talent, uh, just not a, a, a lot of experience yet. But they're in systems that are definitely going to produce. Sam Howell is our, our number six in our projections. That makes a you know that makes a fair amount of sense. You would certainly think that he's a, a preseason All America type. Sounds like you know going to be in the conversation among the first quarterbacks taken in next year's draft just a little concerned about uh, the amount of of experience around him. But the numbers look really, really good. C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, not the guaranteed number one starter, but assuming he wins that job is, is likely to produce at a top 10 level based on what we've seen from Ryan Day offenses in the past. Dustin Crum at Kent, number eight. Uh, Only played four games last year, put up huge numbers, put up great numbers the year before. Grayson McCall, number nine, runs just as much, if not more. I was a
1: little surprised to not see McCall on any other list. I was a little bit. Well, he's seven in in the PFF. Yeah, I was like, he's Uh, all, okay, my bad. mm -hmm. I must have just missed him. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: But he, yeah, he's gotten a little bit of, uh, you know, he's not in that top tier. And there's definitely a conversation to be had among, you know, who are the top five, top six guys. And then there seems to be kind of a line drawn and McCall is below that line. And, and, yeah. and just based on what I've seen uh, most people's thoughts at, the, at this point, but um, I absolutely, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer. I mean, they basically, you know, if we all saw more coastal Carolina last year than we expected, but if you, if you didn't watch, uh super close it, it's basically they do a lot of triple option type mm-hmm. elements they do a lot of rbo's stuff like that too but uh you know just because they're operating out of the shotgun you know it might not look like triple option maybe to the untrained eye but because of that because of, of a lot of the the uh you know plays that they run and and they want to keep the ball in his hands and his top running back is gone. So, you know, I think he's going to run a lot just as much as anybody on this list, maybe except for Willis. Uh, and so he's going to score a lot of touchdowns on the ground, going to, going to get a lot of rushing yards. That's going to help him. And, and he can throw a little bit, too. That's pretty good mechanics. Accuracy arm, things like that, you know, will improve. But he was able to, to take Coastal Carolina up. To the next level, him winning that job, and and uh, he was definitely the MVP type, you know, guy on, on on this list of what we've seen. Coastal Carolina without Grayson McCall and Coastal Carolina with Grayson McCall the last two years, and he's completely changed. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. So I, I certainly think he's deserving of a of a spot, and you know, the numbers back it up as well. And then number ten, Desmond Ritter, he's. Kind of, a you know, sounds like some draft guys really love him. Some are saying, hey, what are you talking about? But uh, had a great year last year and, and, you know, does run, is athletic, has a strong arm. Uh, so definitely uh, somebody that uh, is capable of playing at a top 10 level, whether or not it will actually come to that. Consistency has been a little bit of an issue during his career, but I think, you know, top 10 uh, sounds about right. probably not top six or seven, but but I think he's at least in that conversation easily a top fifteen guy and and could have an argument for for top ten.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that for sure., uh, here's some guys that i I just made a list of they're they're not on here anywhere, and I think they're going to have some interesting years. The first two, let's just start out with some uh, flat-out CFF guys, Nick. Uh, Carson Strong for Nevada. I mean, you know, their uh, air raid system at Nevada, they pass the ball a ton, and he is at the height of it. So I'm not too surprised to not see him on a top-10 list. Uh, Is he far uh, outside in VGR Plus? I mean, where where does he rank among VGR Plus? It's got to be... It's got to be okay. I mean, at least top fifty, right?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's he's Carson Strong had had an excellent year last year. So he as uh, let's see, has a starter uh, Nevada seventeenth. So in VGR Plus, he's seventeenth. Okay. Um, he's a ninety three rated player, and that's you know basically a tie with Desmond Ritter somebody like that. So had, had a really good year, uh, for CFF specifically, his, uh, stat projection came in at 14th. And part of that is he's just not going to, not going to run. And (laughs) so they, you know, won't, won't have maybe any rushing yards and maybe he'll get a touchdown or two on the ground and a sneak, but they just, they just don't run him. So I think that's part of it. But I, you know, I certainly, Am a fan of Carson Strong of Nevada. Have a chance maybe to to see him up close and personal here in in uh, yeah. a few months. Uh, but yeah, the uh, I, I, I'm a fan, so um, I, I think that he's definitely in that conversation. But so far, stat projections 14th. But it does sound like he's getting some NFL draft buzz too. So don't don't be surprised if we hear a lot more about him in in the next uh, you know. 10 months or, or however long.
1: My second one is a guy that does run, uh and it's Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong. Had a great year uh last year. Another one, you know, like I said before, just right off of the the CFF pile here. Uh 20 uh 2117 yards, 18 touchdowns, 11 picks, are so kind of high on the picks. But he also ran for 552 yards and five touchdowns. So, uh not once again, not surprising to not see him in a top 10 list but a guy that's a ton of fun to watch. And it would not be surprising if at the end of the year, he is a top 10 level quarterback, regardless of what kind of list you're looking at. Uh, and then breakouts. I had Stroud on there. Of course, I think you have to put Stroud on there because we haven't seen much from him. Bryce Young would be on there as well. Uh, but the other guys um, are guys that would be first. I mean, most of these guys are first year starters. So Emery Jones from Florida. I'm excited to if watch to see yeah, if he starts to see if he gets that job and how it plays out. Because I, I would really love to see Emory Jones play. Uh, I, I think he's their best option. Uh, Luke Doty at South Carolina is a kid that's got a lot of buzz. So I, I want to see uh, if he can get going there. Of course, my guy Casey Thompson at Texas or Hudson Card, whoever gets the starting job at Texas, I think could have a fun year. Tyler Shook going to Texas Tech. I think it's yeah. going to be uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I have your former boy in Georgia, one Mathis, going over to Temple. Him versus Real Mitchell to see who gets that starting job. And then, Mathis has already
0: been named the starter.
1: Has he already been named? Okay, all right. Coming so, out of good. spring. Yeah, and then uh, Bailey Zap uh, from Western uh, Kentucky. We, you know the whole Houston Baptist crew coming over and what they right. did last year, uh, watching him put up a, a bunch of numbers. And then a guy that I mentioned in our uh, mock draft that we just did, Nick uh, in Frank Harris out of UTSA. I'm excited to see him. He's had some injuries uh, in his career over at UTSA, but those are some quarterbacks that I'm uh, excited to get my eyes on this year. <clears throat>
0: yeah, I agree. And, and Brennan Armstrong is definitely a, a very close to top 10 uh, CFF quarterback, the interceptions. You mentioned I just have the projections here in front of me, and I'll have all you know, 130 teams, quarterbacks, every position uh, done hopefully by the end of this month. But uh, this first pass through that just has the, the 24 quarterbacks, it does jump out that his interception projection and interceptions are, you know, can be fluky. But Uh, He's got the highest projection on number of interceptions, but he certainly does run Virginia. I I happened to uh, be watching a little bit of uh, Virginia last night. They do. I forgot how funky their offense is. (laughs) Uh uh And Brennan Armstrong, you know, is, is a big part of it. And I know that staff really loves him. But I mean, they have multiple quarterbacks on the field at the same time. You know, Keaton Thompson is is definitely involved. Uh, they've got other guys there as well. They'll do, you know, uh, backwards passes, double passes, all, all, all kinds of stuff. So I, I definitely agree. Interesting, fun to watch. Uh, I, I, you know, he's definitely going to be on the field a lot. I think that his... Uh, having to share the occasional snap isn't going to eat into it too much, but it does a a little bit. And his yards per pass attempt is among the lowest here as well. I think it actually, it might be the lowest projected six. I don't think he's a
1: pro prospect. No,
0: no, 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 but he's a lot Uh, of, but he's a fun, he's a fun college quarterback. Uh, But yeah, put, puts up some, some interesting numbers, but completion percentage pretty low among this group. Yards per pass attempt pretty low among this group. Interceptions pretty high, but you know, just in in terms of raw numbers, it does pretty well. Uh, another guy on this list who had a great year last year. Short, uh, you know, small sample size, but uh, Preston Hutchinson at Eastern Michigan is on this list, top fifteen in, yeah. in those projections. Uh, Max Duggan from TCU uh, just hasn't found the end zone very much through the air, but. Uh, certainly somebody who has potential and, and certainly can run. And a uh, couple uh, – well, uh, no, one more Power 5 guy uh, Talk about interceptions being high. Hopefully he'll cut this number down next year. But Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech, very exciting mm-hmm. player. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, some P5 guys put up some great numbers that uh, I'm excited to watch. Caleb Elby at Western Michigan, uh, Jake Hayner at Fresno State, and uh, lost my. No, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Zappi, Bailey, Bailey. Yeah, Zappy. he he actually had the highest projected uh, number of passing yards, but uh, yards per pass attempt pretty low. Touchdowns not projected to be uh, that high. Just based on you know have the the Western Kentucky uh, history in there as well. Had to had to play with the percentages a little bit because they are completely, you know, uh, going all in on the, uh, like you said, the, the Houston Baptist and that new offensive system. So that's, it's going to be difficult to project, but but do have him uh, expected to throw for a lot of yards. So, and in, interested to see how that shakes out.
1: The, the top eight, just looking at FanDuel Sportsbook here, Xavier, the top eight players uh, as far as Heisman odds go. Are all quarterbacks, and Bruce. uh you know they're they're mainly the guys we mentioned: Rattler, Young, DJ, JT Daniels, you guys uh, brought up, Sam Howell, Derek King, CJ Stroud, Matt Corral. The first non-quarterback is Bijan Robinson at plus three thousand, and you get more quarterbacks: Brock Purdy, Desmond Ritter, Jaden Daniels, who you brought up, Slovis. Then we get uh Bruce Hall, the, the next non-quarterback. Casey Thompson at plus four thousand. Emory Jones, same odds, plus four thousand. I didn't even know that. Mackenzie Milton is in here at plus four thousand. Uh, wow. I mean, you know, dude's got to win the job at Florida State and stay on the field and all that That's good stuff. Healthy. But you know, people people love to bet on him. I think it's kind of yeah. easy money for the books to make. Fair enough. But. DTR, Anthony Brown, uh, and Sean Clifford. Those are two guys we haven't mentioned yet. Graham Mertz is in there. Uh, Max Johnson is on this list, and I don't think Miles Brennan is. So that's interesting as well. Your boy Kenny Pickett is at plus 10,000. So uh, uh, are there any quarterbacks we didn't talk about that uh, you wanted to mention, Xavier?
2: Well, while you guys were were, were talking about I was I was compiling a list, and I, and I called this this list uh, the one last chance list. Um, these are guys that either had either have no eligibility left after this year, and really need a big senior year to kind of push themselves into the conversation in the draft, or two guys who had really down years last year, or underwhelmingly years that really need to you know push themselves to a higher level to even be considered in future drafts. So I'm going to start off with one I think that a lot of people assume is going to get better this year. Uh, he, had, he had a better uh, last season. You know, he's progressed throughout his career, but he still hasn't taken that next step. That's Malik Cunningham at Louisville. I think he has the ability to do so, uh, but he's absolutely got to show that he can, you know, that he's much more than just a runner. He started to show signs of that last year, um, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He's got to get the interceptions down. Uh, I think this is a guy guy who can get there. Uh, He's got the talent to do so. The only problem I have with him is that Javion Hawkins is gone, Tutu Atwell is gone, so he's going to have to do it with a new crop of talent around him. I do think it's possible. Uh, Another guy, Spencer Sanders, really has to have a better year. Uh, He he underperformed mightily last year. Now, granted, he was injured to start the year off. Uh, He does lose Chuba. Uh, Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Cuba Hubbard and Tylan Wallace both decide to go. That's going to be very tough for him. Uh, but I think he can. He's shown us the propensity to do so. I don't know if the, the health is a concern for me, if he can finish out the year. But if he can, this is a guy who definitely has all the tools to be, you know, at the very least, at the very earliest, maybe, you know, a third round guy, second round guy at most, in my opinion. But he definitely needs to progress. Bo Nix. Gus Malzahn can no longer be an excuse for you. You've got to make that next step. You know, you've got, you've come in. You the highest recruited quarterback in Auburn history. This has got to be something that you, you know, you, you put it all together. Um, talking about one of my favorite pit players, Kenny Pickett. This is a guy who is, you know, he is what he is at this point. I don't think Kenny Pick is going to shock anybody next year and throw for 25 touchdowns. Uh, he, he hasn't thrown for 20 his entire career at uh, at Pitt, uh, but who knows? He may surprise us, but this is a guy who, if he's not going to be considered a tight end coming into next year's NFL draft, he needs to go ahead and show us what he can do at the quarterback position. Uh, this is one that if he doesn't figure it out next year, he might be done with college football together. Chase Bryce, dude, you got to yeah. figure it out. Uh, you're, you're I mean, you know, you, you've gone from, from Clemson to Duke. Now you're at App State. If you don't work, if it doesn't work for you at the G5 level, I'm sure Deion Sanders has some work for you at, at, at Jackson State that, you know, he might need. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that he needs he needs to get it together. Um, and, and Chase Bryce has got to show us why he was one of the highest rate or higher rated uh, quarterbacks coming out of high school. Another one who's in that same kind of conversation is Jared Garantano. All right. You're with Washington State now. You had a rough time at Tennessee. If you're going to do it, if you're going to be able to pass the football, it's going to be in the Pac-12. So, you know, um, he has to show that he has the ability to do so. You know, he was one of, the, one, once again, one of those highly touted kids coming out of high school. Everybody was loving him when he first got to Tennessee. It just didn't work out for him. Uh, maybe at Washington State, he's able to revamp himself, revitalize his career and, and get back into conversation. Um, another same conversation, Ryan Halinski, you know, transferred to Northwestern. Yeah. If he wins the job there, I think he's a very talented kid. He was just out of, a couple of bad South Carolina teams along with some injuries really plagued him um, at his time in South Carolina, but I think he has all the tools to do. So uh, this is why I think Northwestern might be a sleeper in the big 10 next year, uh, because I think that he's a, well, Nick is shaking his head. No, but every like what, three years, Northwestern pulls a team out of the, a rabbit out of the hat and goes and wins 10 games. So I, I, I never can, can gauge, Northwestern, but they tend to shock us one year and then they go three and seven, the next, the next one, or three and nine, the next one. <laughs> so I don't know whether it is one of those years they shock us or one of the years that they go three and nine. Uh, and then last be on this list, I'll let Nick go. Uh, you know, you just brought him up a second ago, Scott, Sean Clifford. Uh, this is a guy who I think a lot of people blame, I won't say blame, but they do put a lot of the weight of Penn State's, you know, underperforming season on his shoulders Um, yeah. and his lack of, you know, and his, you know, what was a regression from his sophomore year, you know, sophomore year, 23 touchdowns, seven interceptions, Uh, junior season, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So less touchdowns and more interceptions. Uh, Didn't even throw for 2000 yards. I know it was a shortened season, but he looked worse uh, from his sophomore year to his junior year. So he's got to show us all, you know, that he, you know, is able to take that progression that we all thought was going to go into his junior year, into his senior year. Uh, Well, technically junior year because he got the year off uh, due to COVID. But yeah, if he's able to take that next step, because I think, a lot of people would have told you coming in the last season he was one of their, you know, one of the X factors to why this team could compete in the Big Ten, and he ended up being one of the reasons as to why they uh, they struggled so mightily.
1: Uh, anything else to add here, Nick, or did we do quarterbacks?
0: Well, I I won't completely just de- derail it by going off on a Northwestern tangent, <laughs> but I did I did put together a, a thread uh on monday i believe it was that kind of uh you know was was kind of typing it out as as i was thinking about it because northwestern is last in our uh returning production calculations and it's really not close uh and you know yeah they brought in some transfers but even those guys aren't really you know didn't play a lot last year so they're they're uh it's Either Pat Fitzgerald is a miracle worker and and I know that he always gets more out of his teams than their talent profile suggests, but I have a feeling that I'm going to lose an awful lot of money on Northwestern because I'm going to be betting against them every single week, just the way our uh, projections are are currently setting up. So uh, expect plenty of, of Northwestern hate. And then if they uh, do better than we expect, uh, expect me to, to, gripe about it a little bit, but, uh, anyway, so real last, last thing here, cause we did, you know, we, we talked about different top 10 lists. Can we very, very quickly outline our own top 10 list? If, if, Ooh, you, were to, if you were to say, these are the top 10 top of my head, based on whatever criteria you want. Um,
1: I, mean, I got my CFF list, and, sure. and I think that's uh, a watchable list as well. Uh, for for me, I mean, like you mentioned, Nick, it's Malik Willis. He's the number one to me, not only to watch because of the numbers he put up last year, uh, but, you know, I, I think he's a great quarterback, too. So I, I do... Uh, I think he's my one. Two is Rattler. I mean, you saw it in the mock draft that we did uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, clearly laughed in my face when Bijan went one pick ahead of me in mm-hmm. that draft. I pivoted to Rattler. Uh, I mean, he's a good quarterback on a team that is throw heavy, so uh, I think he's uh, he's probably two on my list. I've got Dustin Crum, who I don't did we even bring up Dustin Crum once? So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's in the top 10 of, uh, of our CFF rankings, but right. just got a quick passing mention.
1: Right. So, I mean, you know, Kent State quarterback put up enormous numbers, does a little, uh, you know, both. I mean, 1,181 yards, 12 touchdowns, and two picks in four games. He also ran for four touchdowns and two, 240 yards. Like, once again, I said, in four games. So, uh, huge numbers for him. Uh, Matt Corral is four. For me, I still have Dylan Gabriel. I just think that, you know, I I know it's a new coaching staff and everything coming in, but you can't, you can't screw with it too much because it was working last year. So I think uh, hopefully they don't derail the good work that Gabriel has already been doing at UCF. Uh, DJ is at six. I got Bryce Young at seven, CJ Stroud at eight. Then I have Ritter and the aforementioned Brennan Armstrong as my top 10 list so far.
2: Yeah, so for me, uh, you know, I'm gonna start off with Rattler. Uh, same thing as Scott. I think this guy, I think this kid, found his feet, found his footing last year. He struggled to start off the year, uh, but after that, I mean, he was everything as advertised. I think you know he, he comes into this year understanding what he has to get, what he has to do, and that's get Oklahoma back to the playoff. And I think he has the ability to do so. Uh, next on this list is Howell, who I think is probably in one of the worst situations a quarterback could ever be in, losing literally all of his uh returning production offensively for the most part and, and you know but the, you know i think he still has the talent to to break to carry a team that you know a, a bunch of guys who are going to be fairly new to a lot of these big moments uh, and i think Sam, how you know i mean that arm talent is ridiculous and, and the arm angles in which he throws i really love how uh, next on his list is matt corral for me three uh i think matt corral is everything scott said um you know he's probably you know two years ago matt corral was thinking about transferring and now he's in the opportunity. And I think he's a dark horse Heisman candidate, or I don't even know if he's that much of a dark horse Heisman candidate, but with Lane Kiffin as your OC, you always have an opportunity to put up big numbers. Uh, you know, he very much impressed me last year, even though they lost against Alabama having an amazing game. And I think that's for me when I was like, okay, this, this kid can really sling it. And I think that he's going to be somebody to watch out for through all season. Uh, DJ Uyangalele is another one. I think, you know, physically, He's probably the most like traditional quarterback as far as size-wise is concerned. Big guy, big arm. Um, I'm just excited to see what he's able to do with a full season. We got a little bit of a taste of that last year, uh, but I'm really excited to see what he's able to do, especially with the young receivers that Clemson has. I mean, Nick and I – both watched the spring game. I don't know, Scott, if you did or did not, but it was like, uh, you know, uh, uh, ESPN top 10 fest. Everybody was having (laughs) one-handed grabs. And, you know, so if that's any indication of what they're going to do in season, it's going to be one heck of a year for DJ Uyangalule. I let those Uh, spring
1: games sometimes sway me. Like I have Joseph, uh, Joseph Nada, Ranked mm. way too high a couple years ago because he's making out <laughs> there, making one-handed snags and caught three touchdowns and stuff. So I uh, understood. they're always impressive. That Clemson spring game is always yeah, fun to watch.
2: Definitely. Uh, next on my list, uh, going into number five is Desmond Ritter. I think he is the best chance that the group of five has had to get a team into the college football playoff in a very uh, – since it's, you know, Since its initiation, Uh, I think Cincinnati has an amazing team. I think he has every year just continued to progress. I think this is the year he really explodes. Um, And I think he does so because he trusts his legs. Uh, Something that, you know, something that I I learned last year watching Cincinnati is that last year he was a little bit too focused on not using his legs. Uh, Last year he was trying to show everybody he could be a pocket uh, passer, I think this year he puts them all together, and he's able to show you both his arm and his leg abil- uh, and his ability to run. And I think he's going to torch, uh, you know, the AAC this year and give Cle- and give Cincinnati an opportunity to get to you know a college ball playoff if they're able to run the table. Uh, sixth on my list is a little bit of bias, but I don't care. J.T. Daniels, I think this is a guy who has not only the ability passing wise he showed us last year, but he's got the guys around him. Uh, I don't think you know two weeks ago I probably would ha- wouldn't, would have J.T. Daniels around tenth on my list, but with the addition of Eric Gilbert the guy's got as much talent as you could ask for, you know, and if so, with that being the case, you know, I think, you know, now he's got a six, seven tight end and a six, nine tight end to throw to. So well, hey, they must it it him as
1: wide receiver though. Oh, well, over, wide uh, receiver, Georgia.
2: tight end, fullback, okay. wherever you want to play him. I mean, he's uh, it sounds
1: thing.
0: like just from, from the early rumblings mm-hmm. I've picked up uh, that he's kind of going to cross train listed as a receiver, but, but they're going to, they're going to use him in a variety of ways. Okay. That's how much of a
2: freak he is. Yeah,
0: I mean, he <laughs> yeah. is, too.
2: Yeah, and and so with that plethora of, of ability, also with the fact that you can't scheme just for him with the running game that Georgia is going to have is, is scary. Somebody that we haven't talked about on this episode yet is Philip Djurkovic. This is a guy who I think takes that next step. Uh, You know, uh, you know, I think he's the best quarterback Boston College has had since uh, a very, uh, you know, maybe Matt Ryan personally. And I'm not saying he's Matt Ryan's quality, but I think he could get there by the time he's done. Phil Jerkiewicz last year showed me that he can play. Uh, You know, that game against Clemson was kind of my first time sitting down and watching every down. And I think that he has the ability to, you know, make Boston College a formidable team in the ACC next year, at least from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, you're not, you know, it's never easy to go into Boston College as it is. Uh, And and now they have a, a quarterback who can, you know toss it around the yard. He's somebody I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, Next on my list, which is eighth, I believe, is uh, Keaton Slovis. He scares me a little bit. Uh, He's got a little bit of a gunslinger mentality, uh, and he doesn't necessarily have the Not talent
0: much of a gun, which is unfortunate well, yeah yeah i
2: mean you know it, you know he's got a super soaker for an arm but at the end of the day you know when he's had the six four receivers like he's had uh, since his time at usc he's kind of gotten away with it i'm excited i'm kind of you know apprehensive of what i'll see from him this year you know some games he'll throw for four touchdowns the next game he'll throw for three interceptions so i'm I'm a little bit nervous uh but i think he'll you know he'll he'll calm those issues down and he'll figure it out you know once again I think he'll leave after this year, so I think he's also doing an audition as well. Uh, ninth and tenth for me. Ninth is going to be Jaden Daniels for everything that I said earlier in the podcast. I think that Jaden Daniels for me, physic, most physic, one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks in college football uh, with his ability to run, his size. If Nick's right and he's almost put on two hundred pounds, then hey, that's that's, that's amazing. You know, uh, you know, uh, college workout plans, right? I, I, I you know, so I, I'm really excited to see what he's able to do regardless of what happens with the Herm Edwards and the coaching situation. And last but not least, for me, you know, this is a guy who, for for all intents and purposes, I think probably feels hard done by, and I'm shocked he didn't transfer, but that's Emory Jones. You know, this is a guy who Florida fans have wanted to see be the quarterback for probably two years now. You know, I talked to a lot of Florida fans, and they they were shocked, Not, not necessarily shocked, but... You know, they they are shocked that Emory Jones hasn't left yet. That's how talented they believe he is, not just throughout through the air, but on the ground as well. Um, I'm excited to see what Dan Mullen can do with a quarterback of that ilk. He This is the most athletic quarterback he, he's had since Dak Prescott. Um, you know, so I, I'm really excited to see what he does with Emory Jones um, for all games except for against Georgia. You know, so I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's able to do in his first time getting full-time reps um, with that offense and, and, and with Dan Mullen as his coach because, as we all know, Dan Mullen is, uh, you know, Counted as somewhat of a quarterback whisperer. So
1: Yeah, yeah, I, that's a good list. And uh I mean, you know, we, we did top ten lists. I think we talked about fifty quarterbacks here. So <laughs> but that's uh that's how we do it at CFP winning edge. But uh anything else? Did we cover it all, Nick? We got everything?
0: Yeah, I think that's it. And I, I think that uh you know that I've I've got enough uh, data-generated lists that I don't have to necessarily... <laughs> I, I, I don't even know where I'd start. I don't even know who I'd say my number one would be because uh, like if I were to build my own personal opinion list because, you know, on the one hand, I see Rattler. On the other hand, I've got Willis in the CFF rankings. On the other, uh, Corral, uh, you know, Hal and Purdy. But I think Corral, I'd probably give the nod to in VGR+. Plus. So I've got so many conflicting uh things that I, I don't know if I'd even be able to to come up with my own but yeah you know this was a a wide-ranging conversation we'll we'll try to maybe uh narrow things down a little bit when we start talking other position groups but I think it's a a good place to start for us and and everybody's got opinions on quarterbacks we're going to be talking about them every week regardless basically so uh,
2: so Nick you're telling me you're not a Jared Dodge guy. From West Virginia? Uh, I am sorry. Oh, Oh, is it Deggy? Yeah. I'm so s i am so I apologize, Jared. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, this is not my this was my first time saying your name. So I
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I I there are a lot of quarterbacks that I like that I think are fun to watch. Uh there are quarterbacks that I think can uh, succeed, that can play at a higher level than maybe their talent profile might suggest. Uh but uh I don't know that Jared Deggy is gonna break into my top 10 this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I would doubt that as well. So uh but with that being said, that will put a wrap on CFP Winning Edge for the week. Remember, you can follow us all on the Twitter machine at Bogman Sports for me, at CFP Winning Edge for Nick, and at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E for Xavier. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.
0: Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.